This is a post-Christian right. podcast. Are we on Insta? Are we Instad? All right. Welcome well, to welcome the Revolution to Church Podcast. Revolution service. It is the holiday season, and it seems like time does not exist between Christmas and New Year's. It's just like, ugh, everything is confusing. And uh, I, I, uh, I just got back from visiting my family. I was with my sister and took my kids up to be with my sister for Christmas, and that was really great. Saw my dad, and my kids got to hang out with my dad and his wife, Lori, and, and their grandkids and their kids, and my kids had a blast. Um, me and my dad had a lot of tough conversations, as I'm sure a lot of people who visited and saw their families this year probably did, you know, when you go political differences and theological differences, and we had some tough conversations, which was, which I felt like we were going to avoid, but, you know, me and my dad are both thinkers, so we can't help but dive into a little bit of stuff, you know. Um, I don't think he's used to having people disagree with him face to face. (laughs) So that was interesting. But I think we, we argued well. I continued to encourage him to argue well and scapegoat less and have hard conversations. Um, But yeah, it was tough. It was tough, but it was good. And uh, when you have kids, there are relationships that you have because of your children. And, um, Because your kids are become the most important thing in your life. And it's, you know, you make, they kind of keep you connected to people that you otherwise wouldn't stay connected to. And it's really a strange thing um, to go through, even with like co-parenting and things like that. You know, most people go through divorce or breakup without children and you move on and, you know, you don't, you know. And, and when you have family and you want your kids to be connected to your their grandparents and things like that, you stay connected and you and you do those things. And um, I will say this is that it's a bit char- it's a bit of a character builder. You know, it's not such a horrible thing. It's tough, but at the same time, you know, I've said this many times: is life is tough and life is full of struggles. And um, you know, it's growing up. You have to make grown up adult decisions, and it's. You know, it's not the easiest thing to do, but uh, I think it's worth it. I think ultimately it's worth it, and I think I've become a better person, and I think it it helps allow me to be even more patient with those I disagree with, especially outside of that world, because I have that with my, you know, these relationships I am keeping with people because of my children. Um, It allows me to empathize more with people outside of that world, and... uh, who are critics and different things like that. And realize also that I'm able to have deeper conversations with some of the, my folks who maybe consider me their enemy or don't like me or don't like my work, but that I'm even able to have productive conversations with people who are, who are, who, who are just disagreeing. So it's, you know, it's a good thing. But yeah, so the holidays, woo. I'm ready for, honestly, I'm ready for 2020. I'm ready for... January 1st to get here because I just feel out of whack. I drove, took me 12 hours to get to Missouri and 12 hours to get back with two little kids. It's usually about a 
10 hour drive, but with kids, you got to stop and do stuff. So I was exhausted. And then yesterday I helped a friend of mine whose mom passed away, um, helped her move out, move her mom's stuff all out of her house yesterday. And it's really tough to, to, when you see cleaning it, cleaning out, cleaning out someone's house who's died and you see what, you know, the stuff they leave behind and, and letting go of that. And, and you know, it's kind of sad too, because you're like, oh, cleaning out the house so somebody else can move in and live their life. And you, you realize how short life is and, you know, not to take things for granted while we're here, you know? Because, you know, a lot of us, when we die, our stuff's just going to end up in a dumpster and our house will end up belonging to somebody else. And that's just the reality. So try to enjoy your life. And, you know, what kind of legacy can you leave? And, you know, I think one of the legacies we can leave is telling people that they're important to us and letting other people know that we love them and care about them, you know? Um, Don't keep that inside, you know? Make a text or send an email or, you know, write something down before you die for other people to have, you know? Communicate with others. Um, Because life is short. Before you know it, you're, you're gone. So there you go. There's your uplifting introduction to today's talk. Um, Because this week's been so long, I've just decided to kind of go back to one of my older talks and kind of rework it. I like revisiting older talks, and this one's kind of a mix of two. Um, Because my theology is changing so much and also diving into philosophy, so it's like my talk, going back to revisiting old talks are never the same because so much of me has changed, so much of my thoughts have changed. Um, But one of my favorite grace uh, scriptures since the very beginning, probably my first, even first decent talk was out at Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, 8, um, is one of my favorites. So I'm going to read that, and we're going to kind of see where that goes. So buckle up. (laughs) Hello, Instagram. Um, Ephesians 2, 8. Um, It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. And, you know, this one revolutionized me because I grew up thinking that it was all about what I could do for God. You know, I had the example of my parents building these huge empires for Christ and doing all this wonderful stuff for the faith and things like that. So in my young mind, especially after seeing them lose everything and then seeing people discount them when they weren't able to do all those works, in my mind, it was always like, well, what can you do for God? And what will all the people allow you to do for God? And you have to do all these great things to make God happy. So I thought it was like this, you know, I've always struggled with people pleasing, but man, earlier on in my life, I really struggled with God pleasing, you know, and, uh, you know, I thought I was trying to appease this really angry, judgmental God to somehow love me. And then reading something like this, realizing like all Christians, the same message was, is you're saved by grace. It's not the works. It's not what you can do. It's not what you offer. It's a free gift. Um, And this says a lot about faith because it says you have been saved through faith. And you think, well, if it's faith, then the faith must have something to do with me. 
But what Paul is saying is, is that it's a gift and that faith has nothing to do with you. And we all think our faith is something that we've done or that belongs to us. And Paul is literally saying, faith is a gift. It's a gift you've been given. There's nothing you can do for it. Um, you can obviously learn more about your faith, which I think is important, and work through it and, and grow in it and things like that. But ultimately, it's a gift that you've been given. It has nothing to do with you. And so that's the basic message of what it, what it is to get into Christianity, what it is to have this faith, is that it's this free thing. It's not about a club. It's not about how much money you give. It's not about how many things you can build. It's not about... You know, I've only been with, you know, one person my whole life and we got married and, you know, whatever. It's not about I don't drink or I do drink or I don't smoke or I do smoke or I don't, you know, I vote this way or vote that way. It's saying no, it has nothing to do with what you do. Um, And you would think like even the progressives would grasp a hold of this and know that this was the main message. But lately, you know, with a lot of my progressive friends, I see them scapegoating conservatives and telling the conservatives, well, you're not real Christian if you vote this way or you think this way or you do this way. Uh, do this. And I, I can see where they get it because there's some verses I could go through probably even in Ephesians but also in Romans where you could you'd say, well, see, it's about this and this and this and about works. Because Paul kind of fluctuates. You can see he's kind of discovering grace as he's teaching it. You know, like, it's all about grace. And then, oh, no, I'm a piece of crap because I can't do any of this. But thank God it's about grace. You know what I mean? So he kind of like goes through these like waves of grace and law and works and grace and law, but always coming back to grace, always coming back to this idea of this freedom that we have. Um, I loved that uh, quote from Peter Rollins is, uh, you know, grace is the freedom from the pursuit of happiness, you know? And I love that because often I've, we're sold that if you become a Christian, you'll be happy. And that's not true. Um, if you don't become a Christian, you'll be happy. A lot of people see that when they get out of faith and they lose their faith and they're done. And they're like, I don't want to be that. I was miserable, so I'm going to leave my faith. I'll be happy. That's not true either. You know, happiness is, is just an emotion and something that we get to experience in life. Um, but I promise you that suffering is, will always be there if equally, if not more. Um, happiness is great, but we have to learn to live life on life's terms. Um, that's something I learned in 12-step program is living life on life's terms and not, allow, not allowing this happiness trap or these expectations. I, expectations often steal your peace, steal your serenity. You know, So if you have this expectation that you're going to be happy or that things are going to work out or things, even if you have expectations that everything's going to go to shit, um, usually you're going to be disappointed either way. And that's the thing is just expectations don't do this. So we've got to learn to live life and learn life to live life well to the best of our abilities, and accept things as they come. Um, very tough lesson to learn because I think society and capitalism tells us that somehow we can be happy if we just you know buy the right deodorant or have the right car or the right clothes, um, you know, and, and does everything to tell us that you know there's, there's there's a sacred object that will deliver us and give us some sort of peace or happiness, or if we have the right person. And that's another thing is like, oh, if I just find the right partner, I'll be happy. You know, it's great to have a good partner, and they do help with life, but even that is not going to bring you happiness because you're human beings, you know, and you're going to have differences, and you're going to go through stuff, and, and, and you'll realize that love is, you know, sometimes becomes a choice that you have to make to stay or go because it's tough. 
growing and evolving with other people is tough. And so when you choose to stay in, in relationships and be in relationships, you're choosing to sometimes ignore or at least work on the hard stuff. Um, so there's a lot of that. But coming back to the idea of grace, grace says you're accepted. Um, and living a life of complete grace, giving those to people, sometimes is not as easy said as it is done. Because, you know, I've loved certain people in my life unconditionally. And I've realized that sometimes loving people unconditionally is not not always the best thing for me. Sometimes I need to have some conditions of, I'm going to still love this person, but maybe I'm going to have some distance here because this relationship is, is toxic to me and it's toxic to them, you know? And so we're going to have to have space. We're going to have to, to have uh, boundaries. And I think boundaries are important. Um, I think we can show grace. And I think sometimes boundaries are showing grace, you know? Um, I remember years ago when I used to get in twi- Twitter arguments all the time. I told somebody, I'm blocking you. And they're like, oh, well, that's very graceful. And I'm like, trust me, this is, this is all the grace I can muster. I'm like, otherwise, we're just going to continue to go down this rabbit hole of tearing each other apart. And what I think is the best thing is, is that we don't talk, at least not on social media. You know, if you want my phone number, here's my phone number. You know, if you want to meet in person, maybe we can do that. But this is a toxic way of communicating for us, you know. And, and neither one of us are, are into changing right now with 180 characters. We just want to be right. And that's not going to help or go anywhere. So grace isn't just, you know, I think people want to just say, well, grace is just this, you know, or love is, you know, it's all warm and fuzzy stuff. That's just a lie. That's not it. You know, love is a human emotion. Grace is a human thing that we interact with and we build with and we, we develop and we allow it to, you know, grace has to live a life on life's terms as well, you know, and so does love. And so we have to figure out ways to integrate that. And all it does is make us, I think it makes us better communicators. It makes us better people at self-care, but it also makes us care for others too. So when we do self-care, we don't have to just hurt somebody, um, but we can make it clear, like, I'm doing this to take care of myself as well, and I have to take care of myself before I can help you. You know, because I can't love you if I can't love myself. You know, I think that's part of grace. I think that's, you know, part of giving yourself grace and acceptance and loving others. So, yeah, I, I, I think we just want to dumb everything down and sum it up so we can write it off, you know, or we can make it impossible. And I think that's that we missed the boat on that completely. Um, so, for grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God not a result of works, so there's no one that can boast. So we can't brag about what we've done to be accepted by God or by faith or anything like that. It is nothing we have done. So people who, who, who want to show you everything they've done or they want to say, well, look how I vote or look how what I've built or look at you know, how many followers I have or look at whatever, you know, look at my success, you know, those are things you've done. Um, that's not faith. That's just works. And, you know, so works can play a part in your faith, definitely, and I think it's important, but I think it develops over time, but it's never the why you're accepted. Um, 
And that's where I think, you know, something greater than ourselves, something that's infinite comes into our finite being. Um, it goes on to say in 10, for we are what has made us, um, it says, for we are what he has made us, created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So there's the good works, but it's saying even your good works are kind of the gift, a part of the gift. The, that's what comes along with the gift. It's like I gave my son for Christmas, I gave him a, um, he wanted a remote control monster truck. So I got him a remote control monster truck. And that was the gift. Um, you know, and so he couldn't play with it at my sister's house because there was a baby there and, he, you know, didn't want him to run over the baby and didn't want him to ruin all of the furniture. So we, you know, we took time and went outside and he had so much fun and all this stuff, you know, and everything, all this joy that came from the gift, you know. And so those were, those were, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Those were were fruits of the gift, if you will. You know, him having fun, him having a good time, enjoying himself, you know, and doing all that. But you know, um, and having that peace and stuff. And then, so we get the fruits. Basically, is what I'm saying is the works often are the fruits of the gift of faith and grace. Is that we develop it and we accept it, and we are able to find that peace in ourselves of being completely accepted by that which is greater than ourselves, that which is infinite to a finite being, which allows us to grow and enjoy things and experience things and also learn to be able to struggle things and uh, even uh, endure things. And, and that would bring us back to, if you want to talk about love, love endures all. You know, It allows us to endure and grow slowly, but those are products of the gift that we've been given. They are not the price, you know. I didn't give him the truck going like, you have to enjoy this because I've had a fear like I'm going to give him this truck. He's going to enjoy it for 10 minutes and then we're going to be done, you know. But, oh, well, he wants it and it's Christmas, so I'm going to get it for him. You know, no, he loves the thing. I mean, he's just ecstatic about it. And that's the fruits of the gift. And that's really fun to see. Um, but what are, what, are, what are we called to be? What are these good works? Um, so I'm going to jump over to Romans and, and, and talk about that for a second. Um, I mean, we could go into all things. I mean, of course, taking care of the poor, taking care of the least of these, you know, all those. And that, that might be covered in some of these areas. But, um, but here, I, I like what Paul talks about in Romans, about love. Um, in Romans uh, 14, uh, it's not 14, is it? It's 12. Um, in Romans 12, 9, I'm going to go ahead and make a note to myself in my notes. In Romans 12, 9, it says, let, let love be genuine. So, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, could you imagine if we all did that? what life would be like if we wanted it, if we constantly thought we were just going to like, Hey, my point is I'm just going to outdo you in love. I'm going to love you better. You know, I mean, imagine how our relationships would change and imagine how we would change our enemies. Um, and just being like, you know, I'm going to love them. I think that's why, where the concept of nonviolence, I mean, Gandhi actually had that, but you know, I think when, when Martin Luther King Jr. took it, you know, I think he was just like, I'm going to outdo these people. I'm going to love them even if they don't love me back. I'm going to outdo everybody I can possibly. I'm going to outdo them in loving them. And that made a change. Um, do we still have all those issues? Yeah, we still have a lot of problems. 
Um, but he wanted, you know, out, how can we outdo one another in love? It says, do not lag in zeal, be ardent, which I don't even know what that means, in the spirit, <laughs> serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere. I remember this one writer wrote this thing that the Bible says nothing, you know, why he didn't like Christianity is because it never dealt with suffering. But I feel like it talks a lot about suffering. It's just how do we apply that in our own lives? Um, it says, uh, be, uh, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to the strangers. You know, so you know, these are the type of things that's not going to work, especially in this time. Like if, if you didn't show hospitality to a stranger in the Mideast 2,000 years ago, there's a good chance they would die. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah was not sh- destroyed because someone wanted to have sex with angels. Um, if you look up the real actual biblical reason, it was because they did not, and I don't think that God actually destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but anyway, another sermon. Um, it was literally because they did not contribute to the needs of the strangers. They didn't help those in need. They ignored the other. So extend hospitality to the stranger, which is tough in this world because we're told not to. We're told not to trust people, not to take care of people. You know, but then I see people like Vicky, who's not here today, but you know, always bringing in someone who's homeless and hurt and going through a lot and feeding them, you know, and showing them hospitality, not with an if, and, and but. You know, she's going, hey, come on in, I'll buy you breakfast. You know, showing love and hospitality to someone who's in need and who's a stranger and willing to take the chance that, you know, this person might be mentally ill. This person might, you know, say something that I don't like, you know, but it's not about that. It's about showing them hospitality and love. So I I, I like that. And I I feel like, you know, like talking about old time religion here in a way, like, you know, like these are the old time things, you know, how do we show hospitality to the strangers? You know, but how do we treat each other as strangers, uh, you know, with, with technology now? You know, if they don't agree with us, we don't show them hospitality. We try to straighten them out. Like, in what world do we walk up to a stranger in real life and tell them, you know, try to straighten them out? You know, no, you get to know them. And then maybe you get to the point where you have a conversation and you can realize you don't agree on something, you know. And then you have those conversations, you know. And then you decide if it's going to make or break your relationship. You don't start the relationship going on like, who did you vote for? You know, now, now I've done online dating, <laughs> and often that's online. Like, if you're a Trump supporter, no need. Or I remember one, one online thing I read. She's like, if, you're, you know, if you have an issue with Trump and you're a snowflake, don't bother. <laughs> I was like, swipe right. No, um, <laughs> this is the one for me. I had someone who, who liked me, and, was, and I read their thing, and it said, if you have tattoos, don't even bother. I'm like, did you even look at my pictures? You know, And I was like, yeah. I'm like, did you not notice I had tattoos? And they were like, well, bye then. And I was like, bye. Um, I like dating in the old days when we had to sit down with each other and talk to each other and kind of be like, hey, what's going on? Who are you? This is weird. I want to spend more time with you, and I don't know why. <laughs> you know, Rather than being like, this online dating thing is like, ugh. Now I'm showing my age, I think. But yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice with you. So 
we've talked, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I ask people to bless those who persecute them. Um, you can do that if you want, and you can do it if you don't want. It's literally, I'm going to give you the, say this is a suggestion. Paul probably would have said this is the way to live. Um, I can't tell you how to live. I'm not Paul the Apostle. Um, but I can say from my own life is learning to forgive my enemies and and being even blessing them by willing to have a conversation with them has made a difference in time. It's made a difference in me, and I think it's, I've seen it made a difference in people like that. And so blessing them doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to buy you a car. You know, you're my enemy, you know. <laughs> um, to me, it meant like, I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with you, and I'm going to be patient, you know, and maybe buy you a cup of coffee, you know, and hear you out, you know, because that's a blessing to me when others do it for me. You know, I felt like it was a blessing my dad when I went up and took my grandkid, his grandkids up and hung out with them. You know, and for all other purposes, if we were just strangers, people would think we were enemies, get based on our political beliefs and our theology differences. You know, but we're not. And so, also, I was blessing my kids. You know, because they got to go to a fun house that was full of Christmas stuff and got presents and had fun and got to be with their granddad and their cousins and their aunts and uncles. And um, for people who don't know, my dad adopted uh, five kids. And so, you know, yeah, they have a lot of, you know, from the inner city. And, you know, a long time ago, now they're adults, which is wild. So, and they have kids. And so it was really great to see that, you know. And it's diverse, you know, they're all... Latino, and so it was really fun. And people don't always see that, you know, like Jim Baker's a son of a bitch. But you know, my dad's made sacrifices and done some pretty cool stuff for others too. Um, but we don't like that. We want to think that someone's all evil or all good. You know what? And I haven't met either person, and I'm not all good. I promise you, I am. I can be conniving and, and up to no good sometimes and be jealous and angry and, and hateful and get revenge. And you won't see it because I'm so cunning. <laughs> I'll get revenge in small little ways, you know. Um, but I try not to do that. Um, weep with those who weep. You know, mourn with the mourning. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. You know, don't think you're better than other people. Are you willing to associate with other people? The lowly. You know, people change because we have relationships with them, you know? And I think one of the things would be is like make room. Good works would be making room for people to change and when they change, celebrate that with them and rejoice rather than be like, it's too late. You know, you shouldn't have done that like the article came out where um, in Christianity Today, the guy was like, you know, Trump should be out of office, should be taken out of office. You know, and it was funny to see, like, people were like, well, he was retiring, and it's too late. You know, we just had to have, like, the little asterisk always of, like, just too late. Oh, you changed? Too late. You did what we wanted you to? Great, but that was too late. You know, come on, folks. If we, that's a bad relationship, you know? <laughs> Or, you know, that, that's like a breakup, you know, like, you know, oh, you changed after we divorced? I'm sorry, it's too late, you know. We tried. You know, I get that. 
but when you're saying like a movement and a revolution and trying to to, to make up you know a thing going oh you've you've come around and you're you're not racist anymore or you're not heterosexist anymore or you oh, well great or you don't you know oh you don't think that book you wrote about kissing dating goodbye is relevant anymore and you've changed and you've great well let's move forward and let's celebrate the change let's be glad that you've changed you know i mean do you think paul the apostle would have been accepted today you know he he killed christians and then he became the biggest christian like i would not understand jesus had it not been for paul so paul besides jesus is probably the most influential christian do you think he would have been given grace now? There probably would have been pictures of him like punching videos of him, like Instagram videos and Twitter videos of him like punching Facebook, YouTube videos of him like punching Christians. And be like, can we listen to this guy? You know, of course not. I'd be freaked out by him. I'd be like, wait, that guy? Really? You know, this is the dude. Um, but thank goodness it wasn't now. Um, do not, be claim, do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. So don't get revenge. If it is possible, so far as it is depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, and I like that it says that Paul wrote this. That it says, if, if, if it is possible... So far as it depends on you, see, he's saying you, not other people, not going to, you know, he's saying, if it is possible so far as it is dependable on you, live peaceable with all. Try to live a peaceable life. But peace takes work. You know, it it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of growth. It takes a lot of maturity. Um... It takes a lot of practice. Um, but I'll tell you what, if we always want ourselves to be happy and to be number one and be content and we buy into this idea that, uh, that, that, that it's all about happiness um, and, and we buy into all this consumerism, then us being peaceful with all is not ever going to be an, not something we can do, you know? If we buy into the capitalist idea of, you know, the pursuit of happiness. You know, if it's all about us, all about the individual constantly, we won't be able to do that. And am I saying that you can't be all about yourself? No. Do I feel like self-love is important? Yes. Do I think self-care is important? Vitally. Um, But I'm just saying growth out of that is hopefully finding able to have peaceful ends to conflict you know it's a lot of work you know but thank goodness we got Ephesians 2 8 9 that's saying your faith isn't based on how well you do this stuff but this is the stuff that can come from that through growth and through maturity and it takes time so no one's expecting you to change overnight I don't and now I thought I would change overnight as soon as I said the sinner's prayer and then walked it down to the front <laughs> And I thought, well, tomorrow I'm a saint, you know? And usually you see people just turn into legalistic bastards because they didn't know what else to do, so they just go like, I'm just going to do rules, rules and regulations, you know? This is going to be the easy way, you know, because it's easy to have a box and just be like, I'll just do this and I'll just say this, and then eventually it'll set, you know? 
and it doesn't. You have to grow, and you have to read the hard stuff, you know. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things that my buddy Pete is, I've always been like, oh, you need to do like an introduction book to your theology, you know, because it's hard to understand and grasp, you know, and and he's like, the problem is, Jay, is there's not an easy way to understand it. You have to put in the hard work. You know, you, you have to read. There's certain texts you need to read. There's certain things you need to understand. And it takes a while to get to that place. And I'm like, well, why do I understand it? You know, well, I said, well, why do I understand it? And he's like, because you've read these hard books that I've sent you. And you've put in the work. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't completely, I still don't completely understand it. But he's like, but you've put in the hard work. And he's like, yeah, sometimes life requires us to put in the hard work. You know, but it's a lot easier to do when you start to have just self acceptance and being accepted that not you know you're not going to change overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, um, but this stuff can happen over time, and then hopefully we can pass this on to other people. Our f- works, our struggles, our experience, so they don't have to go through the same thing. That's what I love about books is reading other people's going. Oh, you know what? I've learned something from the book, and I'm not going to do, you know, I've learned a lesson from this person's life, and I'm going to apply it to my own life without having to learn the lesson myself, without having to lose everything myself. Isn't that great? I mean, that's why we come to church. It's because we want to, you know, and we come to think, well, we come to church because we like each other and things like that, but we also go to church because we want to learn something. Well, we want to learn something is so we can learn how to do it without having to make all the errors that that person did to get to that point. You know, I mean, science and science and philosophy and theology. We read these books because these people had to, you know, come up with a million other ideas and fail a thousand times. And we don't want to fail a thousand times. We want to read, like, how did they get there so I can get there now rather than having to go through all the hard stuff, you know. Um, I don't know if we'll ever appreciate it as much as they, the person who's gone through the hard stuff. But you know what? It's a great lesson to be able to pass to other people. So what I'm saying is, is be a scientist of life, a student of life, and be willing to go through some of the hard stuff and the self-denial and the hard things of loving. So why? So we can pass it on to our kids, you know, because we're not here that long. You know, as I was yesterday, packing up stuff and throwing people, someone's stuff away who had died and they're gone, you know, watching my mom die. You know, we're not here that long, so let's learn what we can and figure out ways to pass this on for people who will come after us, you know, and if you want to live a self-centered life, go ahead. There's no, there's no water off my back. But I don't want to live that way. I can't live that way. And so if you're listening to Revolution and you're listening to this church online and you're going, oh, why? you know, that, this is my advice to you in life. Le- take it or leave it. I don't care. But if you're listening, you obviously are searching for something more. You're searching for ways to maybe love better, to accept your own self, to hold on religion without all the toxic bullshit, you know? And what I'm trying to say is, like, great. We, we don't have to deal with all the... We don't, well, we don't have to accept all the toxic bullshit, but we may have to work through it. And we are going to... And if we want to get rid of the toxic bullshit in the church, then, yes, we're, there's going to require us some work and some self-sacrifice, you know? Um if you just want to be happy and just live your life and just and, and not worry about others, you can do that too. You know, that's just not the path I've chosen. You know, so if you're listening, this is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm sharing with you. Um, I'm not saying you have to be that way, 
but I'm saying these are this is a, uh, my way of learning to live through the Bible, through friendships, through relationships, through reading great texts. Um, beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God. Now, I like this one. Um, <laughs> You're in God's hands now, brother. Um, (laughs) I don't know what, you know, vengeance is mine. I will pay, saith the Lord. Um, I don't know what that means. Um, But it means that that there's something greater than us that knows how to deal with people's, when when they're hurt and angry at us. We don't have to get revenge. That we don't have to develop a, a, uh, a computer program to hack their internet. Or, you know, or we don't have to do things that are going to hurt their life, you know, or not work with them. You know, we don't have to, you don't, you don't have to get revenge. Because um, revenge, I, I found, when the times I have felt like I've gotten revenge in my own life, it was never as powerful as when I forgave someone. For me, forgiving someone was always seemed to have more effect on me in a positive way and even on the other person, even though they may not have changed. Sometimes I've forgiven people and I've forgiven them a million times and they haven't changed. And that's really tough. Or they've changed a little or the relationship just goes get a little bit better but it's still a lot of work. Um, But I found that to be a lot more productive than getting revenge or just being like, oh, well, you didn't give me that? Well, I'm not going to give you this. Well, you didn't do that, so I'm not going to do this. Well, you did this, well, I'm going to do that. You know, I just, life's too short to be like tit for tat, like keeping score. Why would I want to do that? That's what I thought God was doing to me, and I hated God. And I thought God hated me because God was a scorekeeper. Why do I want to be that? Why do I want to be the scorekeeper? You know, that's why I couldn't be around conservatives most of my life and growing up in the conservative church is because it was all about rules and regulations and keeping some record. You know, and they justified it. Then I realized that biblically it wasn't justified. So then, why do all of a sudden I, re- like a dog returning to vomit, why do I return to that process? Well, the reason is that's a lazy process. And so it's just easier to do, is keep this record. But somehow, but now that I'm progressive and I am open minded and I have no grace, my record keeping must be, be just. It's, it never is. It just makes me miserable and keeps me up at night. Thinking of ways that I can look loving and still get my revenge. So then I just become a manipulator. How can I manipulate grace and how can I manipulate love? I'll be honest with you, probably my first few years in ministry of grace was me trying to get revenge on the church for how they treated my family for not showing grace. And so I wanted to be like, you guys all got it wrong. I just basically wanted to be like, you don't understand Christianity, you're wrong. And you're bad because you didn't show grace. And then what I realized is that I needed to forgive those people. I didn't need to go exact my revenge on them. I needed to say, oh, well, here's, no, here's grace. I've got it. I want you to have it too. Let's change together. Rather than saying, you know, I became Batman. You know, my parents were destroyed and killed in an alleyway. And so now I'm going to, you know, be a hero, act like a hero. But really, I'm just getting revenge. And I've just got a, little, a lot of really cool little gadgets to figure out how I can figure out that revenge. But everybody thinks I'm a hero, you know? 
It's, it's not about getting revenge. Um, no, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, now I like Paul, because Paul always does this. Paul's like, oh, forgive people, blah, 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 love them. And then he's like, and those who want you to be, um, uh, to be circumcised, I wish they'd castrate themselves. So he's saying love them, and the next thing he's like, I wish they'd cut their balls off. You know what I mean? This is, this is, so this is Paul. Here's a Paulinian quote to a T. He's saying, show them love. Give them water if they're hungry. And then he goes, you'll be heaping burning coals on their heads. You know, so he's like, so see, by loving them, you're getting a little bit of revenge. You know, so even, even Paul has that, that train of thought, you know. And to me, I'm like, I guess I'll be heaping coals either way. I'm either going to heap coals by revenge or I'm going to heap coals through love. And so I'm going to stick with love. And if my love heaps coals on your head, there you go. I mean, that was kind of the idea behind nonviolence is buying like, if you see someone just beat the crap out of me for nothing, it exposes, you, it exposes what they really are. You know, if I have a knife and they beat the hell out of me, it's self-defense. If I'm holding my hands like this and they're beating the hell out of me, they're just bad. They're just mean people. You know, that's why, I mean, having television cameras during the civil rights era was so crazy is because they were seeing all these people being beat up for nothing. And that's what's causing America to go like, there's something wrong. You know, these people are being beat up because they want to cross a bridge, you know. And I remember them interviewing the sheriff and the sheriff saying, oh, no, but if you, you know, they all kneel down to pray. And he's like, no, they kneel down to grab their bats and their knives. And that's why we beat them, you know. It's like, well, there's video. So we, <laughs> we don't see any knives or bats, you know, while you're beating the hell out of them with, you know, rubber hoses and batons and sicking dogs on them. You know, to me, if, you, if I have a bat and your dog is biting me, I'm probably going to hit the dog with the bat. You know. <laughs> anyway, a little bit off topic, but the fact is, is I'm going to try to choose love. So I guess if you need a little revenge, at least you know love it gives a little bit. You know, here's a cup of water. Oh, but you know, we I think we've all been assholes to people, and then they show us love, and we go like, ugh, ugh. You know, oh, I shouldn't have been such a jerk. You know. But what's happening in you is when you're realizing that, yeah, you might be getting coals in your head, but you're being transformed. You're going in your own self, going like, oh, maybe I'm learning something from my enemy by them loving me, by them showing me grace and not giving me what I deserve. What does that make do to me? It makes me like, maybe I should pass this on to somebody else. This is a tough lesson. It doesn't feel great, but you know what? But they're showing me something that's real. And that's really transforming me. And that's why it's heaping coals is because it's transforming you and it's changing you. And change is tough. Growth is tough. I've become who I am through more through pain than I ever did through happiness. You know, through most of my successful years, I didn't change. I was like, oh, everyone loves what I'm saying. They're buying my books. They're listening to my videos. They're doing all this. You know, this is great. It's like when things get tough, I start like thinking what needs to change here. Oh, gosh, I have to change my plan. Everything I've ever done doesn't work before. I have to evolve. I have to move to the next thing. You know, um, my LGBTQI brothers and sisters are, have a voice now, so I don't have to be the voice. So, you know, 
Matter of fact, it's better that I'm not the voice. Oh, God, what do I do now? That was my bread and butter. Oh, I need to change, and I need to move on to what the next thing is. And, you know, so maybe I'll talk about scapegoating, but not everybody likes that. But you know what? That's the move on. It's the evolution. It's just going forward. It's not just staying in one place, you know, and, and, it, and it's tough. You know, I've learned so much through my own depression and my own suffering and through my divorce and through my relationships, my tough relationships. I probably get more out of my relationships with 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 uh, with people like my dad or people like my kid's mom or people like that. I learn a lot from that. It is really tough. I mean, poor Caleb has to hear me talk and bitch and moan about this stuff when I get in the car. It's like, I'm like, I haven't seen my therapist in three weeks, so guess what? You're my therapist today, Caleb. He's children's minister, therapist, audio guy. Caleb's everything. Um, you know, and you go, there you go, Caleb. There's all my problems. Um, but thank God for people like that, you know. Um, but I learned from those relationships. I, I was talking to someone last night, and I said, oh, this is one of my, I was talking about one of my buddies. I'm like, this is the nicest person I've ever met. They're really great. You know, you've got to meet them one day. They're amazing, blah, 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 and they're so nice. And I'm like, and they're even nicer than Pete. You know, and, and I'm like, but Pete's my best friend, and the fact that we have that friction sometimes is what makes our relationship special, you know. So even me, I've chosen, like, this person I want to be with all the time, my buddy Pete, because we have this relationship that's not easy and that is fun and is great, but we also deal with the hard stuff. And then I was like, and then there's this relationship here with this person who likes me all the time, but for some reason, I'm not always in that friendship. You know? I've, you know, that's not my very best friend. My very best friend is this person. You know, And I realize, like, I like to be grow. I like the challenge. I like someone who helps me with that. Is that making sense, everybody? Okay, these are these are the these are the works. I was told the works were you know don't watch rated R movies or read certain comic books or grow your hair past your shoulder and everything will be okay. Jesus didn't have scissors, so he had an excuse, I guess. Um, actually, Jesus probably didn't have long hair. He had probably very curly, tight hair. Um, he probably looked more like Easy E than he did anyone in this room. You know, um, it's very dark skin and probably would have made a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, definitely TSA agents would have been uncomfortable with Jesus. Jesus probably would have gone through some extra screening. Um, before September 11th, I used to go through extra screening because I was the punk rockers. They're like, this guy must have something on him. You know, <laughs> after September 11th, they didn't care about me anymore. Um, Romans 15.1, and we'll finish with this. We who are strong ought to put up with the, what is that, failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for, for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insult of those who insult you have fallen on me. Now listen to this. This is pretty cool stuff. Um, I feel like I'm talking like Rob Bell right now. This is really cool stuff. <laughs> or like the iPod guy. Now here, yeah, time for something really interesting. Um, the eye ring. Um, <laughs> we who are strong ought to put up with the 
failings of the week. You know, one of the things I've, I've done with certain people and having arguments with them, I'm like, oh, you know, they haven't read the same books I've read. They don't know the same thing. They haven't been what I've been through. We haven't had the same life experience. You know? And sometimes realizing the weak are sometimes those people who actually disagree with you and might be, you might see as enemies, but you might want to just change the way you're, you're, you're seeing them and change your perspective and go, maybe they're weak. You know, I was most legalistic at the beginning of my faith. So maybe it was just I didn't have very good faith. I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I was weak. I, wasn't, I hadn't grown in it. And I just got comfortable. It was very comfortable to be in that place because I could pretend like I had it all together. But I had to live through it. <clears throat> so people who are, who are obsessed with legalism and revenge and hurting others may just be weak. They haven't grown. They don't have the strength it takes to love their enemies. So you might be like, Jay, I'm not, I kind of love my enemies. They better say this, and they better act and treat me this way. Well, you know what? You might just be weak and hurt and not be in a place where you can really handle the fact of loving your enemies. Because if you want to be a badass, you want to be tough, love those who persecute you. Love your enemies. And that's That's tough. That's, the, that's where the rubber hits the road, you know? So the fact is that sometimes I'm weak and I just can't, I can't be in the place that I need to be to love someone who disagrees with me or doesn't do that. And so, you know, I block them or I don't talk to them or I take my time and I back up and I work on my self-care because I know I'm weak. Because sometimes when I'm weak, I need to step back. And there's other times where I'm strong enough to sit down and go like, I'm going to let this person say things that are hurtful to me and hurtful to other people I love and care about but you know what? They're weak, and so I'm going to listen to them so maybe I can have a conversation with them with the hopes, ultimate hopes, that they will be transformed into something new and they will become stronger and they will not become so judgmental and they won't be so fearful of people who are different from them or think different from them. That's the thing is a lot of these people are afraid. So their anger and their hate and stuff is coming out of a survival instinct that comes back from evolution of when a tiger would chase you. All they're doing is, is they're, they're fighting because they're afraid. They're fighting or flighting, fight or flight. You know, I mean, they're, 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 they're weak. And what we're trying to do is like help them become stronger. That's why I do this is because I want to help people grow and become stronger and be able to, to get these muscles going and these things happening where we're able to love our enemies and, and, and care about those who persecute us and go back and think about it. You know what I, 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 I've realized is that if it wasn't for someone like Jerry Falwell or it wasn't something for the falling of my parents or things like that, I very easily could have ended up being like a Franklin Graham or a Jerry Falwell Jr. If it wasn't for my enemies. Today we were talking, me and Caleb were joking about people who like leave the church and are really hurt and angry and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, uh, you know, but at the same time they're, they're, you know, living their best life. You know, they, they're, yeah, like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, you should maybe write a, a, a thank you letter to your youth pastor who was so mean to you because you didn't become them. Because you were able to be exposed to such bullshit you realize that you weren't going to live a life of bullshit, but that came through pain and hurt. But you grew out of that. 
And I want to go back and say, I haven't even think about how, heaping hot coals on somebody. I'll go back and be like, listen, hey, I just want to thank you for what you did in my life because I'm not like you. I'm, I'm free. I, I read interesting books and I live an interesting life because you were an asshole. And I'm not an asshole because you were an asshole. I mean, think about that. How much do we really owe to our enemies for allowing us and making us into people we didn't want to be? It's people who judged me and hurt me and told me I had to be a certain way that now I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have to be that way. And I'm not going to ever be like you that I am the person that I am. I mean, even just recently when I was going through my depression, people were like, give up. Go get a job at Target. Go get a job at Costco. Go get a job at this. Do that and just, you know, live your life. And... I realized, like, I had a choice. I don't have to be that. I can be who I am. But it was tempting, but I decided not to. So I didn't become that. I didn't become that because I didn't like what I saw. They had something that I did not want. So I honestly can say, thank you, Jerry Falwell. I ended up not like being like your son because how you treated my family because of the things that you went on the news and said about my family. I thought, I will never be that way. If my, when my dad went to prison, I saw all the conservative Christians saying, put them away, lock them away longer. And you let, but even about other people, like with drugs and things like that, like longer sentences, longer that. You know, and I said, I don't ever want to be that way. You know, I saw the people fighting against abortion, and the majority of the people I saw doing that, I saw them being angry and hateful and hurtful, and I said, I don't want to be that. I don't want what they have. I want something else out of life. And I did not become that because of that. You know, sitting in rooms when I did my work with Soul Force, seeing how these preachers weaved and turned and tried to be loving without being loving and hate. And I said, I don't want to be that. I just can't, I can't do these religious gymnastics that make me be ingenuine, disingenuine. I mean, I, I told my dad, I said, you know, I said, we were talking about, I talked about the impeachment. And I said, well, the thing is, is if Trump's impeached, then we end up with, what's the vice president's name? Pence. Yeah, I said, we end up with Pence. And I'm like, and Pence is awful. And my dad was like, Pence is a good Christian man. And I go, Dad, he hates gay people. And my dad was like, well, no. And I'm like, yes, he does. And I'm like, you can't. I said, no one has the right to use their religion to discriminate against other people. It's just not... It's just not, you know, I mean, people can, and they do, but to me, that's just not a thing. That's not okay. And it's like people use, you know, we don't allow for people who are racist to say, well, I'm racist because the Bible says that, you know, people shouldn't mix or this or that. You know, no, we don't allow that. And I don't allow that with LGBTQI people. You know, we're not going to allow that, you know. And this guy is obviously using it as an excuse to hate other people and discriminate other people. And I'm like, that's awful. And my dad's like, well, you're not supposed to hate anybody. You're right, son. You know? So, you see, the idea is, is I don't know, I guess be careful what you wish for, but allow, uh, allow yourself to grow and be molded. And I know not everybody's ready for this, and that's why I said take it what you can and leave the rest behind. And that's what I've done when, when, I, when I was really involved in my sobriety. Uh, you know, people would say that in the rooms that I would attend, um, you know, Take what you need and, and leave what you don't. And, and there was stuff that I left for a while and then picked up much later. 
and go, oh, this is how they picked it up. But I needed A, B, and C before I could pick that up. So I just took what I needed, you know, like think through a drink. That got me so kept me sober for a long time. And then I was like, oh, now I've got to do this deal with resentment. And now I've got to, oh, now I've got to claim my own side of resentments that I had something to do with it. You know, I mean, I had, oh, you know, but it happened over time and through a process. And to me, um, that's what faith is. I think we see so much toxic faith is because we see people who are lazy with their faith. And they just go like, I'm going to let the pastor read the Bible for me, you know. And then the pastor is kind of lazy with his faith. I mean, I see so many people who've left Christianity, and the type of Christianity they left, I left too. This revolution, I've just done it differently. And obviously it's really blown up, and it's very popular. So anyway, that's my thoughts for today. Um, I guess by the time you're listening to this, it's 2020, so Happy New Year to you. I'm still in the year 2019. I I hope that uh, the robots haven't taken over yet. So good luck with that. And um, we're going to do uh, Afterglow. If, do we have any questions on the uh, old Instagram or comments? I had a lot of comments throughout. Uh, I prefer not to have any of the comments. <laughs> They're all nice. I know, I'm just kidding. Sean was very vocal as usual. He said, uh, you are not who you might have been if you still lived in Heritage USA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot of people responded to what, to what you said about about Paul, about how if he were in our current context of social media and stuff, that he'd be uh, a lot. He'd be a, a big turnoff, I guess. I mean, he's still a big turnoff to a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> so, true. That also comes from understanding which is Paul and which isn't Paul. Yeah. Is that it? No, no. So nothing. I have a couple of thoughts. Oh, okay. Surprise. Thoughts from Gail? I don't know. I, I think the, the whole... Oh, come on, Jay. No, I think I'm not. I'm I, know, I, mean, I know. I just always have self-conscious, yeah. But, I don't know. I think the whole Ephesians 2, 8, like, <laughs> that passage is... Uh, for me, it was a big thing growing up in the Southern Baptist tradition of, like, is it grace or is it... Or is it, is it works or is it grace? You know, is it, yeah. uh, is it by, by faith or is it by works? And I think maybe not seeing that as a dichotomy and seeing it as, like, the fruit of the Spirit or, like, the fruit of grace. Like, it's going to happen in its own time, and you're going to want to be a more positive person, a more loving person, a more graceful person, you know, as a result, as a natural evolution of your own worldview. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I have to check these boxes so that I can be saved from hell or, like, you know, go to heaven or whatever. I'm just becoming really... Uh, disinterested with the the question of, of of an afterlife, like not 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 with arguing one way or the other, but but just with the obsession of it. Like I feel like saying, oh, how do I be saved? And maybe even finding a way to redefine that term of saved, you know, as as an earthly, as a physical, as a, a, a present thing. You know, how I'm interacting with the people around me, not like the eternal fate of my soul. And seeing that, like maybe if if I embrace grace and love in my life, then. I can change. Yeah, change. Change is a better word than, than yeah. saved, I think. It's, it's a lot easier to swallow anyways, for whatever reason. I mean, it saved me from being a legalistic asshole. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, and the whole, like, uh, grace versus works thing, I think, is a very legalistic way to approach that, that passage of Scripture in the first place, yeah. you know. Anyways. Oh, uh, hold on. We got some... Galatians will you know, touch on that. 
I have absolutely no interest in the afterlife. Yeah. I don't give a shit yeah. what happens to me in my afterlife because I got enough going on positive and scary in my current life. Uh, and I have faith whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. And, and so it's, are you going to heaven or hell? I have always said, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the park when they have the Christians there saying, you know, we'll pray with you. I go up to them and say, hey, how about, will you pray with me? Let's kneel down right now. So, you know, fundamentalists, boy, when you say, let's kneel down and pray, that's a rule. Yeah. And then I'll say, God, thank you for making us straight and gay. Thank you for all the forms of love that you allow us to have and bless these people and help them to discover the truth. And they can't say anything because it's in prayer. Yeah. You know, it's except one, one lady, two years in a row, there's one woman that'll say, okay, stop this, stop this. You're not, that's not right. You know, but the rest of them, when you're in prayer, you can't do that. But this lady has enough anger in her that she will. <laughs> yeah. She interrupted your prayer to correct you? Yeah. You're praying for the wrong thing. Yeah. We have quite a few questions here now, Jay. And I'll try, oh, I'll try okay. not to back It's up. also very cold in this room, I just want to say. Uh, so, Angel, or Angel, Angel says, uh, Jay, any conversations with your dad that you treasured from the holiday? I had nothing to do with the talk. Uh, <laughs> um, I just treasured him holding my grandson and my granddaughter and him being with the kids. You know, I just treasured that. You know, I have a picture that I took that they sent me later. First, I got one picture from my dad with me and him looking like we were arguing. That was it. Then finally, somebody else sent me another picture uh, and I put it on Instagram. For, it might still be on there, on my story. Uh, it's my meat, my Milo on my shoulders my dad sat next to me and we all look kind of goofy and I realized it's like three generations of of bakers and that was I cherished that moment of seeing you know oh wow there's three generations of us that's pretty interesting so that was nice Jay if you identified as queer would you still be able to maintain a relationship with your dad any, twi- any tips for queer folk to have grace in their familial relationships uh, yes, I, I'm sure I'd be able to still have uh, a relationship with my dad. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm worse than that. I'm a heretic. So um, in his mind, you know what I mean? Like I worse than being queer. Here's here's queer. Here's heretic. Yeah, I mean heresy is kind of you know he's afraid I'm a heretic. So no, I think I would. I think my dad is a, is a loving, tolerant person. Um, for 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 queer folks, I mean, what is my advice is. You know, self-care, take care of yourself, deal with, you know, deal with the, the demons that come with rejection and hurt and pain. Um, but when you're ready, and if you are ready to go back into a relationship with your families, even ones that don't don't agree with you, sometimes seeing, to me, sometimes being in a room with someone who I know doesn't agree with me but still loves me is is, is a pretty powerful moment. Because I'm going like, I know they think this is wrong, but they still love me. And it speaks loudly that they are able to still be, the, we are able to agree to disagree and still have love. And to me, sometimes that's a greater example of love than being in a room with a lot of people who think I agree with me completely and love me. Of course they do. Anybody can do that. 
you know, but to be in a room with people who love you and don't agree with you, um, and you don't agree with them is, is, is pretty life-changing to me. Now, if you came out when Tammy was alive, I think she would have said, oh, Jay, that's wonderful. I hope you find a good partner. Yeah, she, she, she was really accepting of everything that God was giving her. Yeah, I think my mom would have accepted that. No, she definitely would have. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe, I didn't know that she demonstrated the use of condoms on the TV show. No, oh, well, and she that done had a conversation with me about using condoms. So yeah, my, both my, my parents, I think, were uh, very unusual people. Yeah, very unusual people and a lot of contradictions. Yeah. So Neil asked, uh, doesn't saved make it sound like it's finished? Say the prayer and, jo- and the job is done. Over the last year, I've realized how continual and constant ev- Continual and constantly evolving faith has to be truly alive. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, even I think we've sold it in the church is that saved is you're you're taken care of, and I guess in the way you're taken care of is that you're accepted, but you're by no means have arrived to anywhere. You know, you haven't arrived to being having your life together. I think that's the thing. That's the big lie is that it's some sort of magical. You're, you know, you're different. Yeah, no. You know, it's anything you got to learn and grow. When I began to think more, uh, and I saw kids in my Sunday school class going forward to be saved Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I said, this is completely irrational. If you're saved once and for all, like the minister says, they shouldn't be going back. What's wrong here? Yeah, I just, I kind of wish there was, we, get, we learned more how to live life well and learn how to be in relationships and, yeah. and things like that. Unfortunately, that's not what the church teaches too much of. Well, the former editor of Christian Century, I've said this before here, he put a number of song titles as the church should sing them. One of them is the church's one foundation is tax deductible. <laughs> and another is in Christ there is no east or west. In him, a north and south. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I think we have one more here. J.O. Sean has a couple pushbacks for you. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Uh, So, Sean said, not into considering weakness in someone saying no to an abuser. Sometimes stepping out, saying fuck off, and loving oneself is the strongest thing that one can do. Yeah, and I said that. That, I clearly made that clear. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that. I'm serious. No, I agree. Because I'm thinking yeah. with, when I say some of this stuff, I'm thinking with Sean in mind, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm going to push back on that. Because, yes, sometimes that is the best and strongest thing you can right. do. Love, love can be expressed yeah. as setting boundaries. But I said you have to, in order to love your enemies and do that stuff, it requires growth, it requires maturity, it requires strength. So, yes, I'm saying if the best thing you can do to take care of yourself is to tell someone, go to hell, fuck off. Totally. Do that. Yeah. And that could be that can be an expression of love, even. Yes, yeah. uh, self love and love. And I said that when I blocked people on Twitter. You know, I, I, the best thing I could do to love them was not argue with them or, or do that. But if you want to grow and you want to make change in that person's life and do that, it's going to require growth. It's going to require time. It's going to require maturity, and and, and 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 that has to happen over time. So what I'm saying is, is telling somebody to screw off won't change the world. It will change your world, and it's a good thing to change your world. 
But when you want to change others outside of you, then you have to make another step. You have to go further and grow a little bit more. Yeah. You know. And you're not required to do that, but if you choose to engage on that level. Yeah, you're not required to do that. I'm saying, yeah, if you choose to do that in your own life. And that's what I'm trying to do here is help people grow so they can do that. If someone wants to stay in a place where everybody can fuck off, then don't listen to revolution anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's not the goal of what I'm trying to do here, and that's not what I'm trying to teach here, and that's not what I'm trying to encourage people here. I'm trying to encourage people to get past a point where they can say, you know, there are times where I want to say that to people, and I have said that to people. I've told people online, piss off, go away, you know. Um, But my whole goal is to build relationships, to love those who don't love me, and to grow from that. Not everybody can do that. You know, and I'm not saying like, oh, if you're a woman and you're you're a man or you're being beat in a horrible relationship, stay in that relationship. No, I I don't believe that. I believe that's bullshit. Um, You know, what I'm trying to do though here is to get people to evolve, to love one another, and to love their enemies, and to hopefully we can create change and revolution together. If you want to change the world, it requires us to live a selfless life. You know, and. You know, but that also comes from a time of self-care and knowing what you can handle and what you can't handle. One of the things that we did when we were, when I was working with Soul Force, is we always did debriefings afterwards. Is where we sat down because there was a lot of hard things said, and we talked about it, we got it out, we made fun of people, we made jokes, we cried, we did that, and we had to deal with it in a way because you get all these emotions and you have to get them out. You know, so I believe that self-care is important. And I believe that we all can only do what we know of or what we the area we've reached or what we want out of life or what we've learned how to do or what we're learning how to do. And so sometimes that is the best thing. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, Sean, you're right. Sometimes that is the best thing for someone to do. Um, but sometimes it's the only thing we can do. But if someone wants more out of life and they want to change those people so they don't do it to other people then you're going to have to get to the past the point where you tell someone to go to hell and you have to go, all right, how can I sit down to How can I be patient with you? How can I let some of the things you say roll off my back so we can go further in this so maybe I can help you change? And believe it or not, maybe you can help me change too. Yeah. And you've said for at least the past few months, you've made the point like if you want to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation, if you want to almost like infiltrate somewhere where you're not accepted in order to change it, then that's a choice that you can make and, and, and it takes strength. And I think it's also worth saying like when you say weakness, like maybe your brother is weak or maybe you're weak or maybe you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, your friend is weak. That's not a negative thing. That's no, just, it's, it's incidental. Negative. Everyone is weak. I'm very weak in a lot of places. I'm extremely weak and extremely hurt. And have extremely fragile, and I don't go into certain places, and I don't do certain things. I don't send certain texts. I don't talk to certain people at certain times. I choose my battles wisely, you know. Um, so I have boundaries. Um, yeah, being weak isn't bad, or saying I don't want to change the world isn't bad either. A lot of people don't want to change the world. A lot of people want to be happy and live their life and and and, and be have their best life, and they be them and have a nice house or have a house and have their family taken care of and have health insurance and have a car and just live life. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is I've got something inside me that wants to do more than that. So, you know, so I want to, and not more than that, I want to do something different than that. I'm not comfortable. I'm not, com- I don't want a nice house. I don't want a nice car. I, I don't want a lawn. I don't want a 
shovel snow. What I want to do is I want to see people's lives changed. You know, I want to see my enemies change and become better people and not exist anymore. I want to see discrimination end. I want to I want to be the person that helps that person you told to fuck off to change so then one day they come back and go, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. That's what I want out of my life. And that's what I want to teach people here and encourage people to do in their own lives and to search and to question things and to do that. So that's what I'm trying to do, you know, is teach people how to evolve in that in that area. I'm not a self-help guru in a way. More of I'm a person that's saying, let's go out and change the world and let's do it together. Does that make sense? I think so. I'm not, you know. Any more pushback? Uh, well, <laughs> Sean had one more follow-up real quick. He said, um, or they said, but saying fuck off to me did help me change. So I think that Sean's just saying that, that saying fuck off to someone can be broken. Anyway, just one, one last one real quick. Rob joined us, our buddy Rob. Uh, and I don't know if it's fully on topic, but just asked, how do we answer, I guess there's something going on in Rob's life right now. How do we answer questions to those who strongly believe in hell? And how do we share with them God's love and... God loves us all, and we all return back to God, not to hell. Do you have any Bible verses you can share with someone who believes in hell? Uh, not off the top of my head, but a simple Greek Hebrew word study. Yeah. On the on the Gehenna, on, on and, Gehenna and, and, and Sheol, Sheol, and, and just looking at those and saying, okay, which hell are you talking about? That's always a good place to start. And um, no, I'm going to go back to the pushback. Like telling people to screw off. You know, I, no, I've been in an area of my life where I've, it's been growth for me to not be a people pleaser and to tell someone to screw off or tell someone to shut up or not talk to me, you know, or leave me alone or whatever. Just save my peace and just leave it at that. And that has been that has been growth for me. That didn't just help me grow. That was a growth moment of saying, I don't have to. I can disagree with this person and I can disagree with them harshly. And that's been a big place for me because I've been a people pleaser and people pleasing and avoiding um, confrontation has led me into a bad place. So being able to stand up to myself and tell someone to just leave me alone or that that's not okay has been a huge area in my life. Um, uh, So yeah, no, I get that. I agree with that. Um, The same thing, though, the same person, if I think in my head who I told that to, um, is someone that I have to be in a relationship with. So, what I'm doing is saying, I know there's always going to be a relationship here. You know, I'm just going to make boundaries in this relationship. So I think making boundaries is important. You know, so to me, telling someone to like leave me alone wasn't like never talk to me ever again in this whole wide world. It was just this is unacceptable, and I'm not going to be treated this way anymore. So I don't think there's a problem with that. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just each. It's I think for us to try to say that you know each situation calls for different action. So I think for me to sum it all up and say that we have to make everybody better, we have to do this, we have to change the world, we have to do this, and this is the only way would be wrong. And I think it also to be say for me to stand up to myself and tell them to sort of draw and handle every person that way would also be wrong. I think we have to think broader than that and say that. Each situation calls for a different, a different way of acting. I'm going to react and act based on your personality, about who you are, uh, what's at stake. Is it have to do with me, or does it have to do with the broader sense of humans that I love and care about? You know. So how I react in a situation 
is always going to be different because we're humans and we're complex and we're able to think that way and act that way. And so I'm not going to get the same reaction. I'm not creating a law. Of, this is Jay's law of how to react to people. What I'm saying is, is each situation is going to call for a different thing. Guess what? Good luck with that because that's up to you to figure out how you handle each person differently and uniquely. There are some people that I'm going to say, no, leave me alone. When I was talking to my dad, I literally this last time, I said, no, my dad. And he said something to me and I said, no, stop talking right now. I've got to tell you something, A, B, and C, before you say anything else. You know, And I did that with him and I knew I could at that point. And there's some people that who I talk with and have relationships with that I would handle that completely differently because there's different things at stake. So I just think that each, we have to handle, we just have to be human and handle people differently and not try to simplify everything to the one size fits all. And that's why I tell people like, revolution might not be for everybody because one size doesn't fit all. We're all living a life that's unique and strange and going through things like that. You know, like, you know, so I'm just trying to share my experience, strength, and hope where I'm at and where I've gone and what I've gone through in 23, 24 years of ministry and then any whatever given the 20 years before that of life and trying to share that with other people. But my life and my example is not going to always fit someone else's life in their example. So I don't try to pretend that I, I can't do that. I don't have all the answers. You know, I'll never pretend to do that. Revolution is not the one church. Revolution is a church a part of a lot of different people a lot of different work. Well put. You good? I think so. Alright, well thank you for a wonderful Sunday, folks. Alright. Have a good New Year's and be safe and do we do this. Be defensive driver New Year's Eve because we're gonna be drinking and driving. Oh, yeah. So please be careful. And donate to Revolution. Oh, yeah. We need your money really bad and if you want your year in tax on a write off. Right now is the time to do it. So there you go. That's the most I'll ever ask for money. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Bain. We're living in a society that's like money buys comfort and ease. Yes. And and at the core of that it's trust, right? I mean at at the it's a it's a mistrust of of allowing yourself vulnerability. Yeah, and you see both sides doing it. You see the progressives want to be comfortable with their life and say, you know, all conservatives are bad. And then you see the conservatives doing it, and they want their way of life, and they're both seeking comfort. And what we've been talking about doing with the Loose in the Bible Belt podcast and tour is saying we want to create a space where people can come and be uncomfortable and disagree well. And we've lost the art of disagreeing well because we all want to be taken care of and be affirmed. And it's like, you know, when are we going to grow up? You know, it's not about being happy and comfortable, not for the progressive and not for the conservative. Yeah. And, and in fact, right, that that tension that we cannot handle actually creates more animosity. Yes. Right. Yes. We begin to dehuman, dehumanize the other that we disagree with. 
to the point that we can no longer, I mean, shit, we can't, we can't even sit next to each other and worship the deity together. That's pathetic. Superstition, prayer, spirituality. That was a post-Christian podcast.